Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. We are available uh, online as well. If you want to listen to us online, you can check us out on the TuneIn app and our radio station website, radionorthland.org. Listen to us live or else you can listen to the many, many years worth of Rasslin Memories Then and Now archives that are available at radionorthland.org. And uh, today... We're going to have a little fun. This is uh, going to be part of a series of shows that I'm going to be doing, that I'm going to be dedicating, uh, not to the big superstars of yesterday and and now. I want to talk about some of the guys that made those superstars look real good in the day. I'm going to talk about the job guys, the $150 guys, uh, and I'm going to be bringing on more of them in the coming weeks, uh, including a return visit from Mike Moran, the guy who kind of helped get the ball rolling on this project. But we're going to bring back, uh, speaking of bringing people back, this gentleman has been on two previous occasions. The first uh, time we welcomed him was uh, when he released his book called Job Man, 25 Years in Pearl Wrestling. Uh, the second time we were welcome, uh, we welcomed him back was to uh, be the counterpoint to a show, an interview I had with Billy Jack Haynes talking about, uh, at the time, a lawsuit that Billy and a few others uh, were putting out against the WWE uh, in regards to concussions. And there was also another lawsuit uh, I noticed here in the last three, four years when the WWE Network started about television and, and, and getting their royalties as they were. Well, yeah, we had him on to talk about, uh, well, at least one of those lawsuits and kind of be the response, the counterpoint to Billy Jack Haynes. He's back. Not Billy Jack Haynes. No, no, no. We uh, haven't found him. He veered off to parts unknown. But we're going to bring uh, this gentleman on to talk about his days in the ring. We're going to talk about some of the people he worked with. We're going to talk about some of the guys that have passed away here in the recent months and some of the memories that he shared with this uh, with these people in, in and out of the ring. It is always an honor to bring uh, back on the show the man who not only survived Hulk Hogan and all the other wrestlers in the AWA, the WWF and Mid-South and etc. He even wrestled a bear too. And that's in his book, Job Man. Let's talk and let's bring him in, the Job Man, Mr. Chris Curtis. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the program tonight. And uh, welcome, as we are recording tonight, uh, we air at noon. But uh, and thanks for joining us here uh, for this edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now. And welcome back. Oh, thanks, Glenn. It's a, it's a pleasure to be back again. I had... Uh... I had fun the last couple of times, and uh, I think this is going to be the uh, the icing on the cake tonight. <laughs> That's uh, very, very uh, good, 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 good energy to bring into the interview. But yeah, I mean, hard to believe it's been a few years now since uh, we, we chatted. Uh, it must have been three, four. It's been about three, four years, I would say, when uh, we had you back on for the second time, uh, uh, talking uh, about uh, the concussion lawsuit, and uh, that 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 has uh, since uh, been watered water to pass water under the bridge. But let's talk about that. Yeah, it's been a while, but with Billy Jack and all of that, but it apparently wasn't uh, the ending that he and many others uh, had so desired as far as uh, having their lawsuit uh, and having their day in court. Yeah, you know, and the, the the thing about it was was that I uh, I saw the list of all the guys that were part of that, uh, that, that jumped on the bandwagon that... Um, you know, they they thought that they were gonna they were gonna get Vince, and um, it was uh, it was rather surprising because I, I I you know I think these guys were you know they were looking to make a buck they were disgruntled with Vince and you know I I don't want to really name names because there are some guys that I that I liked you know that I thought were good guys and um, you know out of I guess out of respect for them, um, but it, it in this business you you know what you're getting into. It's just like anything, Glenn. I mean, any any kind of contact sport, football, auto racing, <laughs> whatever, uh, you know, skydiving. Um, it, it's a violent sport, and you know you could get injured any time. And and these guys were. You know, they they needed some money, um, or they were just they were just looking to score one big last uh, you know payday. And um, you know, I, I I knew darn well that uh, 
that they were going to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the name that always pops up whenever uh, these lawsuits uh, have, have surfaced uh, through the years here in recent uh, was a guy by the name of Constantine Kairos uh, from uh, Massachusetts. And whenever you hear that name, you, I, I always it always comes to mind the, these lawsuits. Uh, a, a guy that really wants, to, you know, it, does he just want to grab the headlines? Is he looking out for their own good? I mean, you just you, you get a little bit leery when when you see this name that that, that keeps popping up in association with uh, trying to get these uh, class action suits uh moving yeah you know it he i don't know about him you know a lot but you know it's it's kind of like if 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 he's looking to get if he's looking to get paid and paid big you know he he would have been the one that would have scored more money than than the guys all together because usually that's what happens in a class uh, action lawsuit. The attorney's going to get paid more than, than the whole group together, and um, he figures, you know what, what what's it going to hurt? So he, he gets a bunch of guys and and you know they they sign on, and the more that he can get, the better, and um, you know they lost. I mean, there was, you know, if the judge would have ruled in their favor, um, you know, even though I was in the business, um, you know, as a wrestler, um, it's a bunch of crap. It's, 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 it's baloney. It's, uh, it's bogus. Um, there's, there's no way that, uh, that these guys should have won. So, um, that it is what it is absolutely and uh that, and that goes similar to four years ago when uh, there was that whole lot of talk about uh, uh getting getting royalties from from past uh, shows because vince basically has uh, a good portion of uh of, of pro wrestling's past in the vault and has been airing it on on wwe network i noticed that one kind of uh kind of uh, went went by way of the passenger pigeon, but for a moment it seemed a lot of people were again banging the drum this time uh, to try to get uh, some, some past sort of reparations for some of the shows that uh, they were on and that, that Vince had, uh, you know, started re-airing and getting new audiences and new eyes and ears to. Oh, yeah, you know, and I saw that thing, you know, one of the guys, um, you know, that he felt that he should have got some royalties was Doug Summers. You know, Doug is gone now. And, and, uh, you know, I remember Doug, um, you know, uh, when he was, uh, was he was in the AWA and, and I mean, you know what, if, if, if he would have won because his name was mentioned, uh, you know, he lost, but I don't know if you've ever seen the, um, the uh, DVD of the spectacular history of the AWA. And, um, <laughs> well, if, if that's the case, and, and some of these guys would have won because, you know, Vince used their name um, without, like, paying them a royalty, I could have filed, I could have filed something because in that DVD, there's a shot of me a real just oh it, it had to be two or three seconds and um it was uh gene okerlin was in the ring and i was supposed to wrestle uh i think i was supposed to wrestle i had i wrestled bachwinkle that day in minneapolis and, and uh and okerlin said to to um, Bachwinkle, you know, the, the Bobby Heenan's uh, absence is conspicuous and blah, blah, blah. And I was standing there next to Marty Miller. And just for a quick second, I thought, oh, hey, they used my image. And I wasn't paid for it. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, I mean, that that kind of nonsense. And so, you know, it, it's like these guys were broke. They had to be. I mean... Um, you know, and it's, they, again, they're grasping for straws. They wanted money. So, um, 
you know, it just it it, it didn't come through mm-hmm. for him, and too bad. It is what it is. Oh, absolutely, and uh, you know, let's let's shy away now and go. Let's go a little back in time. Let's 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 get into some more get into some more wrestling memories with you. And uh, well, before we get into your early days, let's talk a little bit now. Uh, there were some guys that have just recently passed. It was just a few weeks ago, as we are recording. Uh, that uh, Gene Okerlund, and you mentioned Gene Okerlund uh, because of that, that the clip that was used in the documentary. Uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about uh, your memories of, of Gene Okerlund and, and how far they go back, and, and what you can remember from those early days. Uh, you know, recording those 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 shows uh, for the AWA, and uh, just basically share with us. I mean, what you can remember in those days, and, and just memories of me and Gene in general. Well. I remember him going way back. Um, I had, when I first started um, in the AWA, I believe um, Marty Marty O'Neill, now this is back in March of 79, I believe Marty O'Neill was either, and, and I think George, Shire would probably um, remember better, but I I think Marty was still on strike, or he had some health issues. But I remember seeing him in the in the TV studio, and Al, but Al Darusha was doing a lot of the TV um, oh. ring announcing, and then Gene came in. And I think I had come back from wrestling um, for Bill Watts in late March of 1980. And I think right after that, that's when um, Gene came in, 80 or 81, something like that. But he was, he was always a really, really nice guy. And I... He was, with, with interviews, he was probably the best straight man there was because he he just, I, I think one of the, you know, um, those interviews with, with him and Heenan and Bachwinkle were the time when, uh, um, uh, when Heenan sold Pateras uh, to Adnan, it was just great. I mean, he just um, <laughs> and and those those interviews he had with Mad Dog Bashan, um, they were just they were just priceless. And he was just a, a really he was a really really nice man. And he was always he was always good to us. And he could joke around and and um, yeah, he he turned into the probably the best interviewer and and so forth that, that there was. And, um, I remember the first time that when Vince invaded, uh, Minneapolis back in June or July of 84 and I wrestled Jesse and he, he and, uh, Monsoon announced my match, you know, against Jesse and he, uh, (laughs) he, he really had sympathy for me because I was selling my ass off for Jesse, and you know, I, I mean, that's that's all it was. It was just to go in there and make him look like, you know, a million bucks. And but it, it's it's sad that that he's gone because he was he was just a genuinely nice person to to everybody. And and we t- we look back and we realize just how important he was to that era of the AWA, especially uh, when 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 things started uh, to kind of slide with 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 Vince coming in and poaching some major talent, and, you know, among them, you know, your Doctor D. David Schultz is your Hulk Hogan. But uh, one of the things uh, that that really uh, stung extra was was having a Gene go along with Hulk. Uh, basically, when you think of, and I told this to George during the tribute, when I, when I think about uh, Hulk Hogan's career, I mean, a lot of it uh, 
should as far as getting the personality over and taking him uh, beyond just being this big person, you know, this big man, giving him some uh, direction as far as Mike's skills really, really played into uh, just being, you know, just how much of an asset Gene was, not only with, uh, you know, with Hulk. I mean, you're talking Jesse Ventura, too, with some great interviews, the chemistry he had with Heenan. I mean, Gene was a just a, a, a personality that could, could could intermingle with the guys and, and almost get you know and get over himself and sometimes even a little bit more than some of the guys that he's interviewing. You, you know what you know what really made him look good were his facial expressions and um, how you know I think I think the the priceless interviews he did were with uh, um, Savage. Randy Savage, he would just he would just say a little something, and then Savage would go into his you know shtick, and Oakland would just stand there and look at him, and and then he would kind of like he would look away and he'd look straight into the camera and have this like look on his face like he was just ready to die laughing, but he was the, the way he did it was just so good, you know, uh, you know, and I listened to the the interview with um, you and George when uh, when he was talking about Gene and and George was right you know Gene would say something and ask him a question or just with a leading thing and then let the guy take off and it was it was a great it was a great camaraderie with with all the guys and and sometimes these guys would come up with this off the wall stuff and you know for him to to you know keep a straight face without without laughing because I, I would just sit there and laugh my rear end off because it was it was hilarious and and uh so yeah he was he was the best it was so you know and and, and that's just the thing you know it, with, with gene i mean we we and a lot of the announcers uh the the big big star announcers of yesterday I mean, you can't really compare it to what's going on with today with everything having to, uh, you know, be so tightly scripted even, you know, it just seems so mechanical and just almost devoid of real natural emotion when you compare it to what it was like in the older days when it was get in, make sure you hit the bullet points, uh, get the feud over, get the uh, the show coming up over, but also interject the personality and, and that's kind of what the, what the fun was about having Gene do these interviews is he could take it he just you never knew quite where the the wrestler was going but Gene just was the perfect guy the perfect foil and we're, we're really never going to see any, anyone of his kind in the next few generations I mean it was just one of those great he was just a great moment and, and just a guy with such really enduring staying power yeah you know and and the when when you said that we're never going to see it again, that's that's just like what the business used to be. We're we're never going to see like what it what it used to be because those the announcers and and the guys the the stars from you know the sixties seventies and early eighties they they all had their own unique personality and it it, it it the guys today are you know they're they're all they're all the same they they might you know they they look the same they uh, they act the same they work the same there's nothing to differentiate them as far as far as I'm concerned unless you got a name tag and so it's it's a little too well groomed. It's a little too robotic. I mean, when we go back to the days when you started working AWA, uh, you know, TV tapings, and you walked in and you looked at the lineup at the time, there was you know not just this straight muscle guy type of you know just genericide that's uh, going on in the business. Uh, it was just that it was kind of a circus of its own. Uh, I bet when you walked in and and you work with some guys on the card. I mean, you could go and work a TV taping with 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 Greg and Jim, and and then you end up working on the card against uh, a Paul Ellering who was starting to kind of find his own. There was just a, a kind of a great variety, and and boy, how blessed you were. I mean, you were you were coming into the business at a time where 
it was still very much it was still very much in the territories, but you were still getting a taste of yesterday as well as they were moving towards uh, the the changes that ended up uh, in the 1980s, the mid 1980s. You know, when I um, when I you know first went to Minneapolis and the first thing I thought of was like, holy cow, um, 13 years ago when I was like, you know, nine years old, I first went to Minneapolis, I was 22, and uh, I'm in the dressing room, and it's like, <laughs> I can't believe that I'm actually going to be wrestling against these guys, you know, because the first guys I re- that in the dressing room that I remember were... Larry Hennig and um, Mad Dog Vachon and Lanza, um, Vern Crusher, you know, those guys. And uh, Billy Robinson, you know, later, like I think when I was in like eighth grade. Um, it was like, holy, here I am. And those guys were legitimate badasses. And, you know, you look at a guy like Mad Dog Vachon, um, as opposed to what these guys look like now that came out of, uh, you know, Gold's Gym. Um, I'm going to put my money on Mad Dog Vachon. I care what anybody says. <laughs> In a fight, <laughs> forget it. He He would... He was, uh, he, he could, just looking at you, he would scare you to death. Um, it, it was, it, it'll never be duplicated again. It, it, it never will. And, but I was, I consider myself lucky that uh, I was in that era. You know, even though that <clears throat> um, I never uh, really felt his wrath of what he could do to somebody in the ring if he really, really wanted to. Um, but um, I, I, I lucked out uh, just just to meet these guys and, and eventually, you know, get in the ring with them. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, how how you you ended up uh, with with the AWA and and and, and the, the group that. Uh, that came up and worked the tapings. I want to talk about a guy who uh, who I want to mention. Who I'll say the name, but a lot of people remember him by his wrestling name of Tom Rocky Stone. I want to talk about uh, Steve Hall, Tom Rocky Stone, and just uh, you know how he and en- you ended up uh, you know with Tom. Uh, what can you can remember uh, about Tom in those days, and and and, and how you guys all kind of got connected and and started running the you know to Minneapolis and and working some of the house shows uh, in in the Milwaukee area as well let's talk about because i mean when you talk about guys that i mean i remember him was one of my early memories was was seeing tom stone you know or tom rocky stone uh, let's talk about your friendship or, and working with tom stone and how that all came about because he's very important as far as uh guys uh the the, the job guys of that day mm-hmm. he um when when i first got in the business this was back in uh summer of 78 and there was a couple of uh a couple of local independents that were that were running milwaukee there was a guy um he was running i think it was the uwf his name was al patters and then there was another guy named uh jeff jacobiak um, he wrestled as Jeff Leach, a real skinny guy. And, and he came to Minneapolis <clears throat> a couple of times. And so I started working for Patterson. And, and how, it, how I actually found out, you know, about this, because most guys in the business started off, you know, in, in little, you know, independence, and, unless they, you know, went right away to one of the, like, uh, you know, the major organizations, and they, they tried getting in. Um, but so I'm working for Patterson, and I believe uh, 
one of the guys that I that I ended up being a, a take team partner with was uh, um, Fred Torres, and he also worked for um, Jakubiak on the other side of town. So I started, you know, going. Uh, I would go over there. Well, there was a a small. Uh, uh, oh, it was an old pool hall, and Jakubiak had a ring set up, and that's where Stone was there too. And I started learning the right way from Stone, and he was very instrumental in teaching guys the right way, um, you know, theory and and psychology and and that kind of thing, and. He he was able to get in because his dad was the ring announcer in Milwaukee and Green Bay and I believe Rockford. Um, and he was really a good ring announcer. He had a really good voice, and so <clears throat> he was able. But that's how he got in with the AWA. Um, and then he. Uh, I think it was January of 79. He wanted to know if I could go do St. Louis TV. And I couldn't because I had injured my heel. Um, so I had to wait. And then finally I got, he said, hey, you know, uh, you know how, how you feeling? You want to go to Minneapolis? And I said, well, sure. But um, over the time, we got to be really good friends. Um he would call me, and um, he would say, "Hey, we, you know, we're doing TV this Saturday. Great, we go up there." Or he would, you know, maybe a couple years down the road, he would say, "Hey, Wally called. Can you work in Milwaukee? Can you go to Green Bay? Can you go to Rockford? And uh, can you go to Minneapolis or St. Paul?" And so he became you know the the contact the pipeline where we were getting called a lot and we really depended on him to you know get us up there and um so it was it, it worked out really good and then he eventually left in oh i believe it was the summer of 79 he went to go work for Bob Geigel in the Kansas City Territory and then what happened was um, I don't know if, if you remember but I know George would there was a guy named Dick Reynolds and Reynolds kind of took over that spot as far as getting us to Minneapolis and doing TV now, the thing about Dick was um, he he was told he was going to get a spot by Wally Carbo, and I'm probably getting away from the stone thing, but I'll go back to him. But um, <clears throat> he was a school teacher in Milwaukee, and um, he was told that in the summer, you know, he would be traveling around, you know, and doing uh, the shows and, and everything. But what happened was Fern... Um, Doug Gilbert was working in the AWA. Well, Vern picked Doug Gilbert instead, and Reynolds got ticked off and quit. So then after a while, um, Wally would call me, and then I would get guys, and then we would go up. So, But going back to um, Stone, he was he was a great worker. Um, I saw the match, the tag match that him and I had our first match um, against uh, Ganyan Brunzel, and he did he just did stuff on TV. It was we we had just a phenomenal TV match with those guys, and uh, he was so good with ring ring psychology. And um, he just, uh, he he was just really, really good in the ring. Very solid, very 
technically sound and um you know they even though you know we weren't you know built like mr america or anything or he wasn't built like mr america um he could still you know generate good heat uh, he's a great referee um i i would consider him one of the you know, a, a lot better worker than, you know, some of the guys that were in the middle or, or on top. So, yeah, I mean, I have nothing but accolades for for him. Um, ran into him. We had a big reunion. Uh, Mike Moran um, got us together uh, maybe about three, four months ago. And, you know, he, I think he started wrestling in 1975, and he, he actually had his last match, I think, about a year or two ago, I think. And you know, he's 64 years old, and, um, you know, he, he, he's, he's kind of walking gingerly like we all are now in our 60s, if you guys are in our 70s. But he, uh, it, it was good to see him. He now, when you got uh, ready to go, uh, you know, Chris, when when you got ready to travel, who were some of the guys uh, be, that became uh, your, your your frequent uh, partner, or traveling uh, travel buddies when you guys headed up to the, do the tapings? Now, who did you guys? Who were some of more of the the go to guys? I mean, aside from from you and, and Tom. Well, um, Herman Schaefer was one of them. Um, let's see, Herman, uh, Caesar Pavan. Armando Rodriguez, um, Fred Therese, um, those were back in in '79, and then later, I think in '81, uh, Jake Milliman. Um, let's see, uh, Woody Wilson, um, Spike Jones later. Uh, then Mike Moran was run. He, he wrestled as Mike Richards. Um, that was pretty much, um, the, the group that we all traveled together. Um, and then later, uh, Jim Evans, who was Trevor Adonis Dobretz, who just passed away on, on, New Year's Day. Um, that was that was the core of guys that that went to do Minneapolis. Um, I'm just trying to think of who else. That that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there was also some guys that too. I mean, it wasn't just the the Milwaukee guys, but I'm looking through some of the old the results. I mean, there was still at that point some guys coming uh, down from Winnipeg as well. I mean, you, you early on you worked with uh, one of the guys that uh, I remember watching in, in Candelo's West Four in the late '80s and mid '80s was uh, Puppy Dog Peliquin. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, yeah. Puppy Dog was. Uh... He, he was uh, he was a little character. His I think his son um, was also a wrestler, but I was that Chichi Cruz. God, I can't remember. I forgot what the heck was that. Who, t- who it was? Um, I don't know. Was, Maybe, was it? I, I'm th- was a, the name Chichi Cruz is coming in my brain for some reason. Hmm. Um, he worked up in uh, Winnipeg. I don't know if he was his son or if he was uh, an uncle or whatever it was, but I think his uh, name was Corey Peliquin. Uh, but I mean, he worked under the, the handle of Chichi Cruz for a while until injuries got the uh, better of him. Oh uh, well, I know that there was like uh, I think Scotty Campbell was one of them. Um, was it were the Winnipeg guys, and then they had the Chicago guys too, and uh, that group. So what they did was, you know, it, when we first went up in '79, that we we did one TV taping, and then later they started doing um, three tapings, and so uh, they didn't pay us much more. <laughs> but they did three, 
And then then they would bring in, you know, the Winnipeg group, and then they would bring in the Chicago group, and then eventually they they kind of branched out. And I think they they brought some guys in from Iowa. Um, so they had they had enough guys to go around for you know their tapes, so it wouldn't be you wouldn't see the same guys over and over again. And um, but the guys that <clears throat> oh, and then guys that we would uh, a few other guys that would sometimes come up with us too would be Sonny Rogers and Tony Leone, two great guys, two just really really nice guys. They would um, they would come up and and sometimes too Leone would come up with the Chicago guys because he lived in Racine, and then uh, Sonny came um, with us every once in a while too. He lived in Chicago. And he would come either with you know the Chicago guys or or us. So um, we we all got along, you know, really good. And um, so, was there some guys that when when you wrestled and worked some of the shows, uh, the TV stuff, was there you know was there some guys that you enjoyed working with a little more than others? With as far as uh, you know, it seemed like more of a. Uh, you know, a day off than, 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 than some that are a little bit more of a crowbar. Uh, could you kind of talk about some of the guys that you enjoyed working with in, in, in those days, uh, working working the TV shots, and uh, we'll, we'll go to the other side of the coin with some of the guys that you, you didn't like working with or you would rather not work with altogether, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hogan was, um, I loved working Hogan, uh, Baron Von Raschke, um, Steve Olsenowski, Buck Zumhoff, um, even Paul Ellering at, and, and then when he first started, um, I, I, I love working, I, uh, Ganyan Brunzel were great to work with. Um, it, it, you know, those, those guys were, those guys were easy. Sheik Adnan Al Casey um, was, you know, when when they would call and say, "Hey, you know, you're gonna work, uh, you're gonna work Hogan, or you're gonna work Roshki," like great. This, you, you knew they were gonna take care of you. You, you knew they were gonna be light. Um, you know, you, you weren't, you didn't have to worry about them, you know, going and trying to hurt you or anything like that, or, or do something to, you know, that you weren't prepared for. So, um, you, uh, you know, I wish I could have worked the crusher because everybody loved working him because he was just so light. Um, he was the, the baby face version of Ray Stevens. Um, you know, that, you know, he's, one of those guys, uh, Tito Santana. I enjoyed working Tito. Um, so it was. Those are the main guys that I that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Who who were some of the guys that that worked a little snug? You could remember off the top. Uh, I mean, we we gave, we gave the ones that you put over, but who were the ones that they were just a little 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 too snug for your liking at at times? But you handled it all together, of course. Um. Well, Billy Robinson, he, Billy, um, Billy knew if, if you were newer, he would, he would change things. He'd give you a finish and he would change it. That's what he did to me. And I think we talked about that uh, in the first, the first round. Um, he, but he was, he was just testing you and. You know, the match would start, and then he'd change it, and then he would try to hurt you. Um, you know, there's, I, you know, the second time I worked him, it was a completely different story. Um, it was a funny story about him because um, Stone had to work Billy, and he had to work uh, he, Robinson. They, you know, Vern turned him into a heel, and so... Told the story where he went up to Robinson. He goes, "Hey Billy, I got a question for you." He goes, 
How come you were such a prick when you were a baby face, but you're such a nice guy now as a heel? And then he walked away. And he had to work him on TV, or he had to work him on a house show or on TV or something like that. <clears throat> and um, but it's true, because when he turned heel, he he was he was nice to you in the ring. Now I don't know if you know he ran his course as a babyface, and you know Vern just kind of like changed him just to kind of like give him work and keep him around, you know, as a as a heel. But yeah, as he was one of those guys. Um, I'm thinking, um, you know, there's a few guys in, in the WWF. I don't know if you want to stick to the AWA or WWF, but um, a couple of guys that there's no way um, in hell that I would have ever gotten in the ring with, and that's the Road Warriors. There, I would have walked out if they would have if they would have made it us work them because at the time they were just they were green um you know Ole Anderson just kind of like put it in their head just go out there and kill these guys you know it, and I don't know if they were too stupid to figure that out or you know that they could really hurt somebody or they were just listening to, you know, what the booker had to say and, you know, you do it or, you know, you're not, you're not going anywhere. And, you know, the thing about the, about this Glenn is, you know, when we go out there, um, we're, we're trusting these guys to take care of us because you don't need to kill us to make you look good. You know, we can go out there and, and and sell our butts off for you and make you look good without you actually beating the hell out of us. And, um, I mean, there's there's no reason for it. Um, I think Tito Santana, I worked Tito in Milwaukee one time, and, you know, I was getting my heat, and I was pulling him down by the hair, and I really wasn't grabbing him hard, but he told me after the match, and he... He was great as far as, like, showing you the right way. He said, hey, all you got to do is just, is just touch me or, or your opponent, and we'll go with it. And I, I tried to work light anyway, but you got to work in unison with the guy. And, and you don't have to, you know, go out there and beat the living heck out of him. If you have a guy that knows how to sell and do a good job there's there's no reason that you you have to beat up anybody you know and uh another guy that that was that loved the work stiff is greg valentine um maybe because because his dad works stiff i don't know but again you know i i would have worked him but i preferred that you know, if, if I didn't have to, well, he was a he was a heel at the time, and I were I was also a heel. But um, um, another guy that um, worked really stiff, um, and I couldn't understand it was Bret Hart. Bret Hart did not like job guys. Nightheart was great. Nightheart, you know, he looked like he was crazy. Um, he might have been, but he was very light. Brett was a prick. I don't care what anybody. I don't care what he, anybody says. He was. He, you know, in our match with him, Stone and I worked him. Stone and I worked as a tag a lot. I think in the WWF. But you know, I asked. I asked Hart afterwards. I said, Hey, you know what? Why did you do what you did? You know, why were you so stiff out there? Well, because you didn't go up for a, a slam, you know, real good. And I'm thinking, yeah, I did. But, you know, I guess that was just him. So, you know, there was some guys just, you know, relished, um, you know, beating beating people up. And there was no, there was no rhyme or reason for it because that's not, you know, how the business worked. 
You're listening to Rasslin Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM. My guest is Chris Curtis, and we're uh, merely scratching the surface here uh, on uh, some of the early days of your pro wrestling career. You know, you mentioned Bret Hart and uh, uh, your difficulties uh, working with him. Uh, now, you know, Jim the Anvil Nightheart passed away, and also this uh, past summer, this past year, actually in the fall, we lost the Dynamite Kid. Now, did you ever have a chance to work uh, tags uh, with, with the British Bulldogs? Uh, do you remember uh, of the time that you did the tapings for the WWF? Oh, yeah. Um, I really do, Glenn. Um, you know, it was uh, um, Tom, I think it was uh, Tom, oh, I forgot his last name. He passed away, too. He was my partner. Uh, Tom Burton? But we worked the book. That's it. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> we worked them, and they were real easy. Uh, Davy Boy was <laughs> he he was he was super easy. Just just he was a joy in there. And even Dynamite, you know, was 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 pretty was pretty easy. And he did that snap suplex, but for the most part, he you know he was okay. Um, you know, they were they were good. Um, where another demolition, two other guys, you know, they they look like badasses, but they were they were super easy. Um, well, the Rujo brothers, they were they were good guys, and and um, um, you know, they they were real, they were good to us. Uh, the Bushwhackers. I could work those guys 365 days a year. They were just—it was like working a, working two clowns that were powder puffs. Um, now, did you have you a know, chance to work both? Uh, did you have a chance to work with the Midnight Rockers both with the AWA? I know with the AWA you did, but did you have to work with them both with that with the WWF as well? Uh, just off the top, I'm, I'm asking. Yes, I we did, and uh, I believe. Uh, Jake Milliman and I worked them um, as the Rockers in the WWF. Okay. And um, also Strike Force, and it was Martel and Tito, a uh, guy named Dusty Wolf and I, Dale Wolf was his name, in, in tag. Um, just trying to think of, of who else, but. Um, and then the the other guys in you know when I worked singles up there it was uh, I worked uh, Axaw Duggan, um, worked Patera, I worked uh, Killer Khan. Um, I was trying to think of who else the, um, that that I did, but you know really. Um, you know, all the guys that, that I worked in, in the WWF, they were pretty good. The only, uh, oh, Hillbilly Jim, you know, another another easy one. Um, you know, everybody that that we had um, were, were pretty decent. You know, there was, a, you know, a few guys I, I felt bad for that, you know, in our group that had to work. You know, some of the heel guys, you know, Joe LaDuke and, and then Dino Bravo got real stiff when he was a heel. And, and um, What do you remember from working with Dino and the AWA? Because you did work some uh, shots with him on, on TV. Uh, what, what do you remember him from that point in his career as far as working? Uh, he was a face at the moment at that, at that time. He was, you know, and, and, you know, actually the first time that I ever worked him was, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a call from Wally Carbo. And um, he uh, he said, "Hey, we need you tonight. Can you come up to Minneapolis?" I got a call. It was a Tuesday afternoon, and I got a call, and he, and he says, "We, you know, we need you up here. We got somebody that we want you to put over." And uh, I said, "Well, okay." And uh, he wouldn't tell me who it was, so I was like, "Okay, thanks, Wally." <laughs> so. Uh, I flew to Minneapolis that night, and it was Bravo. It was his first night in the territory, and 
all Wally said was, listen, we, I just need 60 seconds. And all I want you to do is just you, you attack Dino. He's going to reverse it, you know, something on you and make a little comeback, you know, attack him. He's going to make a little comeback, pick you up, airplane spin, one, two, three. And I was in a battle royal that night. This is at the old St. Paul Auditorium. And um, he was fine. He was okay. Um, no problems there. And then I believe a couple of months later, when I had that little problem with uh, um, this kid in Milwaukee who didn't speak English, this Peter Zabo that uh, uh, Ron Ritchie brought in from Kansas City, um, uh, you know, and I got a lot of heat from Greg. Um, the next day, I thought, you know, they're going to feed me to somebody who's going to who's going to try to hurt me. Um, but I had I had Bravo that day, and he said something kind of, uh, you know, not too nice. And I thought he's going to try to hurt me too, you know. Um, but he didn't. He just, uh, and that was really the last, the only two times that I that I really worked Dino, but, um, you know, he was fine. And, uh, you know, I talked to him a little bit and, uh, so he, um, you know, he was okay. As a baby face, he was, he was all right. As a heel though, um, he wrestled, uh, he wrestled Jim Evans, the guy who just died here a couple of times. And what he did was after the match, he'd stomp on his face and break his nose. He broke his nose twice, you know, just being a jerk. And yeah. um, so, it, it, you know, stuff like that, there was no call for. No, absolutely not. And you mentioned a, a little bit about the Battle Royal series. And, and, and what I can, you know, remember just from, you know, when I first started watching AWA was, uh, you know, before the McMahon uh, worldwide expansion was when the battle royal season came around. It was one of the ultimate automatics was uh, having Andre the Giant on the card to boost up attendance and to get, to get attention to these battle royals. Can you talk about working in in the battle royals with some of those guys and including Andre? I mean, you 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 ended up in a couple of uh, pretty big battle royals with some stars. I mean, we talk about you know Billy Robinson and Buddy Wolf and Adrian. Let's, let's talk about your experiences in these battle royals whenever Andre would, would float around into the territory and work some of the, the big towns in the AWA? You know, he, um, you know how guys would talk about if, if, if Andre liked you, um, you know, you were okay. And if he didn't like you, 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 you were history because he, he would really hurt you. But if you showed him respect, um, and that's what I did. Um, you know, he would, the, my first battle Royal with Andre that I was in, I believe was in green Bay, Wisconsin. You know, he was there and, and I would always go up to the guys and, you know, say, Hey, how you doing? And, you know, I, I, I'd go up to Andre and I would introduce myself and I said, you know, Andre, it's, it's a, you know, it's an honor to meet you, and it's a pleasure to meet you, and shake your hand, and you walk away, you know, and, but <clears throat> um, I remember one instance, we were in a battle royal in a, in a spot show, and um, we were in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, and Andre was just kind of like standing in the middle of the ring, and nobody was near him, so I just kind of like, I, I gave him a forearm in the back, but it was a working forearm. So he turned around, and it was like, you know, hitting the side of a wall. He was so <laughs> big. So he turns around, and he looks at me, and he has this big smile on his face, and I'm just look, like looking up at him, and it's like, oh, my God. And uh, I just kind of had this, like, look in my eye. And so he uh, he grabs me with his hands, and he gives me this big headbutt. Well, he never touched me because he had that big, giant, you know, fright wig of, of hair of his. And um, so I took a big bump for him. 
and then I, you know, I rolled out of the way, but he was, he was really, you know, he, he was always nice to me. And, um, you know, you, you, you show these guys, you know, the respect that they deserve because they are on top. They're going to be nice to you. That's, that's how it was. You know, if you're some cocky young kid and you're walking in there and they're going to notice that, and then you're going to get your butt kicked. Um, so, um, you know, the other guys who were, who were really nice, you know, in the battle Royals with a crusher, um, he was really good. The the thing, Glenn, <clears throat> about the Battle Royals was I remember um we were in a in a spot showing a, again it was like it was Mary Bradford High School. Um Vern used to draw really good and that was in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is south of Milwaukee. Heenan <clears throat> carried the finishes that night. And he got us all together, and he said, you know, listen, guys, I'm going to tell you something. He goes, Vern is not happy. He goes, you know, I, a lot of the guys, they didn't like working battle royals because what they wanted to do is they wanted to work their match, and they wanted to go. They wanted to go to the bar. They wanted to go eat, or they just wanted to go home. And he then said, you know, Vern wants you to, you know, go out there and put some effort into what you're doing. You, you go out there and, and you're getting lazy. And so, you know, no screwing around. Make it look good. Um, you know, because they report back to Vern. You know, who's ever got the finishes or who, whoever it was. It, it was. it was either Bockwinkle or Heenan. Um, those were the two guys that would report to the office. You know, Vernon trusted those two to make sure that the card went off good, that, you know, whatever was going on, you know, with a main event, make sure that that finish got done correctly. And, you know, you'd have to tell, they'd have to tell Vern the next day or call him or so. Um, so he said, okay. <clears throat> you know, everybody said, all right, no problem. But what we did was we schemed up and everybody kind of like somebody started going around. I couldn't remember who it was. You go, okay, give give Adnan a big slap, slap Adnan on the back, <laughs> or slap him on the chest. Everybody gave him a big slap, and finally he got really pissed. He goes, he goes, damn it, because <laughs> everybody there must have been like ten guys that just slapped him. And uh, so he knew that that he was set up to, um, you know, as a rib. But yeah, the Battle Royals drew, you know, they really drew good money um, because Andre was there and the Crusher, and you know, sometimes they would bring like Moose Cholak in and um, you know guys like that, and you know the big guys and Sailor R. Thomas and um, you know those guys, and uh, but. It was a. It was. I. I loved working them because I was in there with all these guys, and and it was a night off, and I got a good payday. Um, so I, I didn't care. Even if that's all I was there for was just to fill a spot. You know, even if they pitched me out, you know, first or second, I, I was in there for like five, five or six minutes, and you know, out I would go. Um, so it was a great time. It was. It was very. It was enjoyable, you know, being in there with them. Well, it looks like, speaking of time, uh, we're, we're almost up to the top of the hour here. Uh, I, I'm definitely going to have to, uh, like I said, we, we're starting this series uh, of, of uh, interviews and collaborations uh, with some of the your fellow job guys, and I, I think I want to have you back on, not only just as a solo again for your fourth interview, but I want to maybe get you on maybe with, uh, with, with Stone or maybe Mike Moran 
uh, and have you guys just kind of talk and I'll throw out a few questions and you guys could share some of your memories and perspectives, you know, together, you know, from, from, you know, the, the days of, of going on and making the big stars look good. And you guys have done such, did such a great job through the years, but I want to get more interviews with you guys, more, more of the spotlight shined on you guys because you so richly deserve it. Well, I appreciate that, Glenn. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's an honor to be on here um, and share the stories with everybody, um, you know, and that's, uh, it, uh, we, we certainly appreciate that, uh, that you have us on here. That's, that's for sure. Absolutely. Come on. We'll do this again uh, in the not too distant future because, man, I want to keep hearing these stories. I just bring up a name and you're like, boom, Johnny on the spot. I love it. Well, it's, you know, there's, there's just so many things to, you know, to, to remember. And, you know, like I probably forgot more than I, than I can remember, but, you know, with, you know, there's just so many stories that, you know, we can tell on the road, you know, just, just traveling from town to town in the car, you know, when we were traveling together, just, just, you know, funny stories and, and, uh, you know, just, you know, going back to, um, you know, my, my book that, that I, we put out, you know, uh, the job man book. Well, we're going to, we're expanding that. <clears throat> and I got even more stuff that I added on there and, um, that'll be coming out, uh, I believe in October of this year. Um, so that'll be, that'll be really good. And, uh, um, got a nice, uh, a publisher, Wisconsin Historical Press, and they're putting everything together. and And uh, I'm I'm hoping um, that they can book me to come to Minneapolis, um, you know, to to do a signing, and and that would be a lot of fun. So yeah, there's there's a lot more stuff that you know. I remember and, and other other people have said, hey, what about this? And, and remember that. It's like, because you can't remember everything. And uh, when you have the collaboration, if we got Stone and, and Moran together and, and whatever, um, it would be, yeah, there would be, there would be more stuff. We could probably go two hours with, with the three of us on there. You know, and I would totally, I would totally just, uh, you know, set up for the taping, put no time limit on and We can make it multi parts because I think that would be a, a great idea. Well, for Chris Curtis, I'm Glenn Broggett. You've been listening to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now.